Welcome to By the Glass, a podcast dedicated to boozy beverages and to the people who make and drink them. I'm your host, Chris Paldoyan. So there's Cava, and then there's Reventos y Blanc. Uh, one of the OGs of Spanish sparkling wine, Reventos was founded in 1497, and in the late 1800s, it was while Josep Reventos was working for another winery that he introduced sparkling wine to Spain. But in 2012, the Reventos family made the decision to leave the Cava Dio classification in order to make wines that emphasize the terroir of Penedes. So for today's episode, I don't necessarily want to focus on sparkling wine as much as I want to focus on the region itself. Penedes is a super unique and fascinating spot. And if you've been following Spanish wine for the past 10-15 years, you know that some of the most exciting and dynamic wineries are located there in Penedes. Producers that immediately come to my mind are Clos Lentiscus, El Gelapens, there's Partida Creus if you want to go real natty. There's no shortage of delicious things coming out of there. And I wanted to talk to someone about it. So to dial into Penedes, we're going to chat with Pepe Reventos. Pepe is the current generation at the helm of the family's estate, and he has been championing varieties like Shirello and Sumol, not only under the Reventos sparkling wine label, but under his second label, which is called Con Sumoy. Fruit there is a little higher elevation. The name comes from the 350-year-old farmhouse that they have on the property. It's super cool stuff. We caught up on Monday to discuss his approach to preserving old vines and making wine naturally, so we'll just jump right in. Here he is. Hello. How about now? Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Can you hear me? Awesome. Yeah, I can hear you now. Awesome. Perfect. How are you? Well, I am sorry because I am a disaster with everything and technology. Except making wine. You're you're great at that. (laughs) No, I'm not good at that either. But but listen, with technology, Chris, this is a disaster. No, it's all good. It's all good. How how's everything out there where you are? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it's, it's still early, no? It's still early to say what's going to happen in this in this season, but we really hope we start we start a, a great cycle. And uh, so far, we have we have snow in the vineyards, and this really? is uh, this is a positive sign, you know. This is uh, yeah, this is uh, something that the farmer says that a snow year is a, is a good year. Do you get a so, lot of uh, snow there? I, I just, when I think of Penedes, I think of like that coastal climate. So I would have expected it to be like a little more like moderated during the winter. Is that typical to have that snow? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a Mediterranean, uh, it's a strong Mediterranean influence. So we get snow every, I don't know, every every other year or so. Really? But when we get when we get it, uh, the snow disappears in in, in 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 a few days. So, so no snowmen uh, getting built, no big snow fights or igloos getting assembled. Exactly. Well, I heard that it was mm-hmm. a pretty brutal year across Spain for harvest. Uh, I heard that there were some like that the weather was pretty wild. Uh, was that was that true in Penedes as well for 2020? Yeah, it's been it's been really painful. At home, we lost between 50 to 80 percent of the crop. Uh, depending on the parcel, but it really it, it really depends uh, um, um, uh, on 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 strong on strong rainfall. So mm. we had uh, in 2020 season historical rainfall that we hadn't had since the 40s, and uh, it, that created a strong pressure of, of fungi into the vineyard. So we had an unheard uh, plague of mildew affecting uh, northern Penedes. 
and uh, and uh, yeah, you know, this this um, reminds me how uh, how fortunate we are, Chris, to be in the Mediter in the Mediterranean climate, you know, because yeah. it's a natural climate for winemaking, and in a year like this, plus with a COVID uh, uh, cost cutting and, and and destructions and everything, yeah. we lost even eighty percent of the crop in in several in the, in the bottom parcels, the ones that are closer to the river, in the more humid areas. I was going to say, uh, you guys have the benefit in some of your vineyards of being pretty high elevation, you know, pretty cool climates with strong winds. I'm sure that helps or moderates things a little bit, but still, I mean, 80% of the fruit getting lost is just fucking bonkers. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's been it's been an, an added an added uh, difficulty to this crazy year that we we all went through, and that hopefully you know this twenty one is going to be totally different for the vineyards and totally different for for all of us. Eh? How are you in 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 Texas? In Texas, it's all right. It's a little chilly here today. Um, the temperatures finally got below forty degrees, which in Houston isn't very common. In the rest of Texas, there's snow on the ground. We just got like some rain, so it's pretty dreary here. But uh. Other than that, you know, things are fine. You know, hopefully democracy holds here in the United States for another couple of weeks, but we'll see. It's all up in the air at the moment. I, I, I am know. sure this is also another positive sign of change that is happening. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have the snow here. It's a good sign of the nature. We yeah. have democracy not only holding, but, you know, moving to a better towards a better direction. Yeah. And uh, I, just, I just hope that, yeah, that... that uh, it's got to be wild for you guys COVID is going to all the crazy <laughs> shit going on here in the States right now, right? Well, believe me, like, we are, you know, like, astonished eh? is this for real or not i don't know yeah. if you are aware but I, I i spent quite a bit of time in america i studied in in arizona when i was young and then oh, i, I spent a that. few years i feel and then i spent a few years in new york city um uh, we uh we came for a personal dream to get the children exposed to the american culture and oh, cool. um, and when they went to a public fantastic public school in Manhattan and I dedicated some time to travel around the country and 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 you know support the brand and 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 work the streets and so, so how I old am, were the kids I, when they were here what what age well, group was that the, the the little one was one year old mm -hmm. and then uh, Manuel was one year old uh, Catalina was three Susana was four and Ines was six so uh, pretty pretty wow. young and impressionable age though when you're six years old to be living in the states and then you guys were here for how long uh, we came for one year, Chris, one and we year. liked it so much yeah. that we spent five years. Wow, <laughs> that's cool. That That's such a fun age to be kind of like exploring and seeing so many different things. It's a good growing experience like for all of us when we when we move away from our comfort zones and yeah. we get exposed to another culture and and we have to start from scratch and, and take the take the subway again. It was it was really, really healthy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know, hopefully one day I can combine, you know, between living in the farm where, where is, uh, you know, our reason to be and, 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 and our work and everything, but also having a foot in, in the United States. Yeah, that would be rad. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, maybe we can give listeners a little bit of backstory about the history of Reventos to kind of like lay the context for what comes afterwards, especially that 2012 decision to leave the DO, if you want to talk about that. Okay, perfect. You guys at that point had over, what, four or 500 years of winemaking experience in Penedes to then leave the DO. What was kind of the thought process there? Was that a long time coming or was that a more recent decision? Well, um, yeah, uh, as, as you point out, no, um, uh, the Raventos family is an extremely historical family here in, in, in Penedes and, and in Spain. 
uh, it's the longest uh, winemaking tradition documented. So we have this, 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 this ancient Catalan documents from 1497 that already was explained uh, uh, the, the, the wines we were making, what tools, and, and it's, this is kind of cool. And, and from father to son, we have tracked and, and uh, we've been uh, at least 21 generations working in the same farm. So, so my wife, Susanna, and myself, we represent the 21st generation working in the, in the farm. And hopefully we continue to the, to the next one. No? Um, and then what makes Raventos um, um, uh, famous is that in the 1800s, um, uh, my ancestor, Josep Raventos, uh, create uh, a Spanish uh, sparkling wine. At that time, it was called Champagne. Champagne in Catalan, until in in, in Champagne uh, they blocked, they protected the name Champagne, uh, which can uh, makes a lot of sense for the wines made in the region of Champagne. And then uh, uh, it was in the 1970s actually that my grandfather created the name Cava and became the first president of the Cava appellation. And uh, and as you say, in the now we are the. The, the black sheep of the area of the, of the sparkling wines here in the in the in the in the Penedes area, because we decided to to declassify. You know, it was actually uh, at the time I was living in 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 the United States, and uh, and I learned this saying, Pepe, don't hate the players, change the game. You know, and so uh, we we realized we needed to move on. And, yeah, uh, I, and we declassified. We, and so yeah, for people that maybe aren't as familiar with the details of wine law, what's like involved in the process of like declassifying? I think there's, there, you, it could be like very dramatic. Like you go in and you like nail your, your, your declassification request to like the door or something like that. Or maybe it's less dramatic and it's just like a formal request or something. But what's kind of the vibe there? I guess in America, I guess in America, it would be very agile because you are very agile. But here in Europe, especially in Spain and in Catalan country is a fucking mess. We like you have to go through the, the government, you have uh, auditings, you have to declassify all the stocks, you have like inspections and stuff. So it's kind of like a bureaucratic uh, long thing. And also it's uh, commercially complicated because there are some markets like the Swedish market or, or, uh, or the Quebecois and, and, and Ontario that work under monopolies. And if you are a sparkling wine from Spain, but you are not Cava, at that time, they they also take take you out of the shelves. No, so it was kind of a it was kind of a big sacrifice, to be honest. Yeah, I think you know that's such a big difference between the way so many European wines are marketed and the way American wines are made, or other regions where you don't have to adhere to whatever grapes have to be used or whatever winemaking techniques need to be used. I mean, for you, that decision to leave the DO was really driven by creating a more geographically precise style of wine would you say that's what it was absolutely see um so when when i um i took on the, the technical responsibilities here that basically uh, from my father um I, I i did some internships in in in, in different uh, parts of the world and Probably the most inspiring one was Didier Dagueno, Domaine Didier, Didier Dagueno in, in Santander and Puy Fumé. I'm sure you're familiar with his wines, Silex, Poussin, yeah. etc. And uh, that was like really what 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 inspired that that for me the love for wine was was expressed territory, you know. And was, was it just like the way in which that wine was made in a contrarian style, right? You know, that he was choosing to make his wine in a way that was maybe a little more atypical of what was being done elsewhere, the emphasis on kind of more biodynamic, minimal intervention winemaking, like what aspect of being at Dagano's property really stood out to you? 
I think what was what was amazing is that Didier uh, made a wine called Silex with a grape that is the Sauvignon Blanc, no? That we all know that is a it's a it's a generous terpenic fruity driven grape uh, that that's become kind of a, like a, a commercial category in the world and his vision was really to express soil and place no and 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 being like the 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 the, the geology of of that of that area of of uh, of uh, Santander and of Puyi the the, the Puyi Fumé the Fumé from the soil no? from those stony rocks and 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 that was really a, a game changer, no? And since then, I studied with yeah. the, the University of Barcelona in geology to understand how are our soils formed, um, how is the northern Penedès area uh, formed our landscape, and, and this is when we learned that we were covered by the ocean for three million years in the mid Miocene, eighteen million years ago, and that when the when the ocean dried, left all that life of that geological estuary um, um, uh, uh, fossilized in the limestone, and that this is the biggest. Uh, essence of our of our of our of our of our place no and and that if you work uh, if you farm um the vineyards with with passion and with precision and with with strength and attitude your wines can can be like uh, uh, the most mineral sparkling wine expression that you can find totally so now the wines are classified in what way what's kind of the geographical designation that goes on a bottle of reventos it's Conca del Rio Anoya, and mm -hmm. it means Valley of the River Anoya. And this is a long process that we started in 2012, and, and it, it's really um, political, so it takes a lot of time, then politicians change, etc. But to, to create a small IGP, Indicación Geográfica Protegida, that in the future and with success will become a legal denominación de origen, like an appellation. No? Basically, to, to, it's, it's like to create, to create a Purigi Montrachet. In, in, in the Penedes, uh, uh, northern Penedes region that is, is, uh, is famous and historically known for the sparkling wines. Absolutely. Is there anyone else making wine in that like immediate area? Is there any other producer yes, operating under definitely. there? Definitely. There are, there are uh, several producers. Mainly there are uh, farmers, vineyard farmers, and they mm -hmm. sell the grapes to big producers or to, or to cops or cava, and they they get paid very little. And um, the idea of that territory is, uh, if you want following the Barolo example, is mm -hmm. that when you have the vineyards under name, you as a farmer can choose if you want to sell your grapes either to a big cop and they can put it under Cava or Classic Penedès, and, 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 or to a Conca Danoya producer, a Conca del Rio Anoya producer, then of course the requisites are much harder, stronger and precise, but also um, the price per kilo is like three times what you receive hmm. if, you, if you sell to, to Cava. Interesting. So there's maybe a financial incentive there to bottle it uh, under that more specific label. Of course, because quality has to be paid, no? And yeah. and and still, Chris, in our in our region, we are as, as we were talking in the beginning. We're so fortunate to be in the Mediterranean that mm. this price is between one and two euro per kilo of grape. Um, see, and this is something I like to share with with the people that hear us is that in Champagne, the kilo of grape is between five and seven euros. <laughs> Champagne yeah. has become so successful that it's dying of its own success because because. Uh, 
five euro per kilo of grapes, six euro per kilo. It becomes a real estate business. But one hectare in Champagne costs one million dollar. Here in Penedes, the most beautiful hectare costs fifty thousand euros. Costs, mm. you know, is, is like less than ten times that. And this is uh, the, the the opportunity, you know. And uh, and and more than than business, it's about protecting the territory. We are uh, lucky to be close to a beautiful city that is Barcelona, but this is also a challenge of a, a strong pressure of industrialization and of demographic move to the area. And uh, if we don't protect the territory, if the farmers don't make money by by making beautiful grapes, they they, they abandon their their uh, their land. So you're saying that like urbanization from Penedes is causing some of these vineyards. We're losing some of them. Is that is that kind of where you're going with that? Is that like Barcelona is just sprawling Absolutely. further and further out? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I would say Penedes is the closest green agricultural area to the city of Barcelona. And if we don't protect it from the quality perspective, um, there, there, there might be <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no beautiful landscape and, 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 no beautiful, and no beautiful wines in the, in the next two generations. It's, it's wild to hear that. I mean, you, you hear about it sometimes in other parts of Spain. I, I was talking to a friend who imports wine from the Basque country and they were talking about a vineyard that's just beautifully terraced, you know, overlooking the Bay of Biscay. And it's these like hundred year old vines of Andaribi Belza, this like, you know, ancient variety used to make like red wine or rose chocolate. And it was going to get ripped out because a resort wanted to go in or something like that. You know, it's wild. Yeah. You know, in Spain, um, I think we're still in a place where we can uh, we can switch around and it's it's a it's an amazing country. I think it's like the opportunity of the old world together with Portugal and Greece and 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 and, and even northern Morocco, right? But yeah. um, but uh, uh, we have to be careful because we are very bad at protecting landscape and, and understanding that landscape is 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 an asset. It's part of our of our our reason to be. Well, Spain has more more hectares of vineyard than any other country in the EU, right? Like it doesn't rank first for vine plantings, but third for Absolute, actual wine production. Absolutely. Yeah. That is a, that is a, actually when I studied, it was the country in the world with the biggest surface planted. And mm. there's a there's a nice story about this that basically is that when Spain um, um, uh, skulls that discovered the Americas, no, eh? in 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 the in the 1400s, right? Uh, uh, we 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 would steal all the gold from America and rape everyone and do the big disaster, and 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 send wine to the colonies. So there was a big exchange, you know, like the the the, the, the treasure. Kind of a forced exchange, yeah. I mean, exactly. But this this created. <clears throat> that in Spain, it's, it, 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 what there, there were more and more people planted planted vineyards, especially in La Mancha, which is in the center of Spain. That still today is the biggest surface of vineyard in a in a, in a single piece. I, I I wonder. You were talking earlier about those farms, right? And all of those farmers that have their grapes. I wonder that model of selling grapes to a co-op. How much of that was built on the Champagne model of just selling? Like the, there are the farmers and there are the producers. Was that modeled on champagne or was that something that was previously like an Iberian thing? Was that already in existence? I think it's a very it's a very typical Iberian thing. See, um, because uh, what was from our country and from our past is to make to make uh, grapes, to produce grapes, as well as olives and, and cereal, you know, like farm in the land. And few people would bottle. Uh, we would sell even uh, grapes or bulk wine to France, you know, to, to, to round up the blends, uh, the, the commercial successful uh, blends yeah. of Bordeaux, for example. No? So it's a, it's a very Iberian thing. 
then also when Spain started to open up after the dictatorship, uh, more people would start to, to, to take seriously the, the bottling part and, and export and et cetera. No? And how, how important, I know we were talking earlier about the downside of being so close to Barcelona, but when did like the whole agritourism element of people maybe going from the city of Barcelona, visiting wineries, when did that really become a part of the economy of Penedes? I am not sure if this is uh, if this is a uh, um, uh, real, eh, Chris? Yeah. Are, uh, I mean, it's so big the, in other parts of the world. I wasn't sure if in, in no, in the no. Um, uh, in Penedes, uh, there are some wineries that do a little bit of, of agritourism and such, but it's not really uh, a strong source of. Uh, mm. Uh, of business we are very bad at, at really taking this seriously and this is one of, of the it's a bummer because I... you have so many amazing restaurants so close by right i mean the Absolutely. roca brothers realistically aren't that far away the adria brothers aren't that far away i mean i think when a lot of people think of some of the best food in spain they do think of barcelona they think of catalonia you know they think of things that are very close to where you guys are and your, your wines are so food-friendly. I mean, I always tell people some of the most food-friendly wines out there are sparkling wines. Uh, but Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And there is a the big opportunity. Now, it's a very interesting moment to visit Penedes because the young generation are uh, taking over. And really, this is a generation that love wine and taste wine. And see, for example, Cava has become what has become because there has been a, a, not a work from the vineyard with a love for wine. It's been only for business, you know. So basically, it's been like imitating the Champenois method, but at the least possible cost and sell inexpensive wine around the world, the world for pallets and pallets, you know. And this has led to this pressure of industrialization, to this lack of good restaurants and such. The new generation, however, is people that we taste wine, and now I am not so young, but 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 I, I become to this to this. You're new, still pretty uh, young. You're still pretty young this, in the big scheme of things. To, 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 to this new, thank you much, Chris. To, 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 to this new way of looking at it. No, we travel the world. We travel to wine regions. We participate to blind tasting contests. We taste blind all the time. Uh, we have our small cellars in our homes. We we sit together, and and this is a very very interesting. And this is, I think, what is going to shift Penedes into into uh, into a new reality because the area is is very gifted clim climatology. It's very gifted uh, from the soil perspective. These Camarillian soils, they enrich the charellos to give them a sense of minerality incredible. There are um, so many uh, um, great varieties that were abandoned during the area of confusion where, you know, we would use pesticides and, 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 and treat the vineyards for productivity and plant Cabernet and, and, and Merlot and Chardonnay all over the place. Nothing against these beautiful grapes, but not here. And uh, so it's, it's we are in a very, a very beautiful revolution. That's really interesting that you bring up those other grapes, because I think that's something that's so unique. And I think some some of the most exciting wines that I've had from Spain are at least the still wines that I've had from Spain recently in the past couple of years have been, you know, red wines made with Sumol. I'm thinking of producers like El Gelapens or Clolentiscus um, or your own wines that you bottle under your own label. Right. I mean, maybe we can talk a little bit about you know, the still wines getting made with Shirello, Sumol, grapes like that. 
Uh, I am happy that you mentioned this because, for example, the uh, uh, glorious wines uh, from Sumoy are, re are really a source of inspiration, and not only because of the Sumoy, but but the way that that, that she uh, really doesn't interfere at all and and let let the, the grape express and the site express. No, and yeah. uh, you know, Sumoy has such a great uh, acidity, low pH. It's so pure, um, and 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 these beautiful tannins, uh, a little bit Nebbiolo-ish, you know, which is. Uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, not as fancy as the Pinot Noir, maybe not as boring, you know. I mean, I really like that tension and that energy over there. So a lot of uh, Sumoil being replanted uh, in, in, in all of these uh, new revolutionary uh, makers. and, uh, and uh, So we're seeing an increase in the number of plantings of Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We have uh, we have wood of all uh, vineyards of Sumoy in in um, this uh, beautiful property that I found. So this is a, this is also a very cool story. So um, when we came back to live in the farm, we realized that we really need, needed to be uh, very honest and pure to origin. So in Traventos y Blanc, now we're the unique uh, sparkling producer that only makes a sparkling wine because probably we are mistaken, but we think that there's a beautiful potential for making this this extremely mineral. Uh, long aging, uh, serious sparkling wines from from northern Perez. But then, you know, we have a story a story of making still wines here at home because when I joined the winery, we were in a very difficult economic moment in almost bankruptcy, so we had to fill up the the tanks. But uh, so, but I, the thing here is that we had some tradition, and I wanted to find a place for for those wines, and especially a place for natural wines. So, however you want to call it, because uh, it's my big passion, no? the minimal intervention at that moment. And I was tasting a lot and wines even from-, from Was that Franco being at Dagenau? Where, where, where did that love for minimal intervention, natural wine, where did that really That's posterior. From? I would say Dagenau is my influence for Raventos y Blanc. It's more precision in small geology, it's more academic. And 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 for Kansumoy, it's more Frank Cornelisse. No, uh, I started to taste actually in Chicago in a place called uh, Rootstock. I don't know if you have visited. No, I visited uh, it. Of, yeah, yeah, very good. Great burger my there. Dear friend, my dear, my dear friend Andy Pates, and and, and you know, and, and he really opened my my, my mind and, and my taste and my soul because it's, it's I say those are wines that they don't come into you by your mind. They come into you straight to your soul. No, so anyhow, then made me visit a lot of uh, producers. Uh, mainly uh, uh, in the Jura area, we've become friends with Anne and Manu, the, 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 who are taking over the, um, the state of, of Piero Bernoir, right? And, uh, and this has been the, probably the biggest, the, the, the biggest inspiration for Kansumoy. So anyhow, linking this inspiration with our past, we find this property, Chris, at 600 meters altitude, overlooking the Mediterranean Ocean. At the sunrise, you see the island of Mallorca. So like so powerful, so wild and so abandoned. I find I, I found myself like the, the place to rest, you know. And, it's wild uh, and, after uh, having lived in New York City to then go to this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, right? It's, it's a big and, extreme. And it's, That's I a say, big change. I, you see, when you, I hope you can come to visit the place because you have to be there to sense that the, the strength of the nature and the place. And I, you know what I say? I was riding my bicycle that day and it was the farm that found us, not us that found the place, you know? The farm was semi-abandoned. The, the vineyards were really bad taken care of. Very old vines of, of, of Montonega, that's how the Parellada in altitude is called, Sumoy and Charello. And uh, it was for sale and there was these guys who were about to buy it and create a chicken farm. And, and you know, when we came into, in, interested, the, the owner said, oh, you're going to recuperate all that past. So, so uh, that's, that's definitely for you, no? And uh, so this is a uh, little bit like how the Kansumoy uh, started.
it's interesting to see that parallel with Jura because when I think of, you know, what I love in the best sumo bottlings, there is that similar kind of like pulsard or trousseau that like really perfumed character that really just like ethereal red fruit quality. Uh, super, super interesting parallel there. It's fun to think about. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, of, also, there is the acidity. You know, I think sumo is, is extremely interesting uh, for, for its level of acidity. It's, it's very high. I, I have planted some of that wood in the Raventos estate hmm. uh, um, um, to have a, a, a natural acidifier. Eh? So uh, we make we make a blanc de noirs called Texturas da Pedra, and, and mm -hmm. which, which is really catching the attention even more every year, more and more since 2011 vintage. So, so uh, using using that fruit to just naturally acidify the wine a little bit, it's just so high acid that you can just put a little bit of it in to lower that pH. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So under the Consumoy label, there's a rosé of Sumol, and then you have that really perfumed floral wine that's called Parfum, right? Yeah, we have we have the Parfum, which is a, a more easy to understand. It's a blend of the Montonic. Yeah, that brings this mm -hmm. acidity platform yeah. into the wine with Malvasia that is, 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 is more aromatic. Is and, that Malvasia and, and, de Siches that you're using? Or? Yes, yeah. e exactly. Eh? And again, another, another historical and, and difficult to, to cultivate grape, very, very sensitive to, to, to botrytis, to mildew. But, but I, I think it's, it's, it also has a future in terms of aromatics and in terms of acid as well. No? So this is, is the perfume. Is there any and, you know, of like botrytized um, Malvasia de Siches, like bottling that as in its own right? Or is botrytis sure. not something that you think making botrytized wine something that is in Penedes' future, for you at least? Um, I think I am sure somebody's going to do this. Um, for me, I am now arriving to a stage in my life where I need to, I really want to focus the energy into doing the things that we do, doing well and doing better every every day. And we already here in the Raventos farm have a lot of work to maintain that state. And, you know, when now um, we are harvesting, uh, um, sorry, we are um, um, uh, grazing. Can you believe I spent so much time in America? My English has gone so terrible. <laughs> you think I need your, to go your, back? Your English is far <laughs> better than my Catalan, so... <laughs> What a disaster. Anyhow, thanks for your patience, Chris. But we are uh, um, we have a herd of sheep and goat grazing during the, the, the winter uh, resting period. And now I am excited to start to make some cheese with their milk. And uh, just to put an example, we recuperated uh, the Matanza tradition because we raise our own pigs. We're making our, our honeybee. Uh, we're like, we are in the middle of like this revolution in the Raventos. And in Cansumoid, everything is to be done. In terms of wine, what I think it will be very interesting to, also is that we have um, two ancestrals, which is which is something I would say between a pet nut and, 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 a, and, a, and, a, and a method champenoise, eh? because it's 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 one fermentation only, but with long aging on the list and disgorgement. So mm. this is under under Cansumoy label, and it's very cool. The the white uh, uh, from Montonega and the rosé from Sumoy, and and I have two barrels of 500 liters of old Castanier. Castanier local chestnut, and uh, uh, in one I have a beautiful acid garnacha. And in another one, the most amazing vineyard of Sumol that this doesn't belong to us, but it's a, it's, a, it's a collaboration I am doing with a farmer of the resistance of Sumol. This is a group of farmers in, a, in the village of Rudonia that they never changed Sumol for Cabernets or Merlots. They wanted to stick 
to that historical grape, and hopefully this we can present. Yeah. We can present this wine together. You gotta love those day. stubborn vineyard workers that just like refuse to pull out any of those older varieties and just keep them going. Absolutely, I think this is what gives me more energy is uh, when I work together with these farmers. You know, uh, I, I I I I like to laugh at one of the common winemaking uh, exaggerations is like the state fruit, you know, the state is a state and fruit is fruit. And because it's, it's mine, it doesn't mean that it's better. But the, the one that I hate the most is when they say, no, no, I work with some farmers, but I tell them what they have to do. Are you kidding me? You have to listen and learn from them. You know, I am really no, against totally. consultants and, and really uh, for uh, listening to the old farmers around and, and, and recuperating these, these past traditions that, that for some misconceptions and and, and, and and greed and business, we, we kind of, you know, step over. Totally. I want to dig into that thing that you just mentioned about the difference between like a pet nat traditional method and making this, you know, wine that undergoes a primary fermentation, just one, but with extended lees contact. Um, you don't, do you, I think the perception is for a lot of people that pet nat is something that's quickly bottled generally in the spring after just like several months of the wine finishing its primary under crown cap. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that distinguishing factor there? Like why you choose to do just a single primary fermentation with extended lees contact rather than either a traditional method or just one fermentation? Because that isn't something that's super common. I, um, think. I think uh, <laughs> this has to do with a couple of ideas. No? Uh, first of all, this is my cousin's, my cousin's uh, Josep, who actually is spending some time in Texas. Josep Sanson. Yeah, Josep. Well, Chris. Yeah, he, he is always been a crazy for ancestrals and, uh, and, uh, and, and really to capitalize this idea that because we are a traditional uh, method classic uh, area, we really need to disgorge our wines and we really need to not be afraid of aging our, our, our pet nuts. No? And, 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 and this, is, this is really uh, Josep's uh, belief. From my perspective, what was very interesting when I started to be really influenced and passionate by no intervention wines is that this, this one fermentation uh, sparkling wine is the more... Uh, flow way to make uh, a sparkling wine. So I think we put together these two influences and we come up with something very serious, at the same time, very natural and, 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 and beautiful. So uh, I don't know if I answer very well the, the question, but it would be a little bit the, the, the mix between these two forces. Yeah, I, I just think it's so different than like a lot of other things out there. Um... Why not age uh, 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 an ancestral? Why not age a pednat? Uh, like, why not age a rosé? I mean, um, uh, things are, are, are changing for good. And um, with your own personal label that you have, you know, um, how does how is that different than the Consumoy label? What's kind of, what's the goal with your uh, Pepe Reventos label? Well, that's a wonderful question. Um, um, the goal here is to really make the best Raventos if blank possible and recuperate Kansumoy and make the best possible natural wines at Kansumoy. My personal label is, uh, is no goal. It's a no goal label. It's an invention. It's a workshop because these are the wines that I make in the garage at home. See, when we came back from, from America, we were so full of creativity. We said, why are we going to put cars in the garage? The cars can sleep outside and we are going to use this garage, which we said, it's just below our bed and it's there you go garagist i love it it's cold and it's clean and it's sterile there nothing has happened before because we created from scratch right so that was a perfect opportunity to make the yeasts that were living in this in these beautiful vineyards the protagonists of that fermentation we really wanted to make natural wines not for the 
sake of being natural, but for expressing those vineyards in the most pure, honest, and minimal intervention way. So, so that's that's a little bit how the the personal label came up with. And we play with very little volumes. We are very creative, creatives. We do query style. We do uh, we recuperate Bastard Negra, which is a beautiful uh, um, um, Penedes Graciano uh, or, or or Sardinia and Bastardo Nero because it came it came from Sardinia, no, through the commercial activity within between Barcelona and, and Sardinia in the past and. Uh, uh, it's a little bit our, our playground. And where do you see Penedas going in terms of wine production over the next maybe like five, <laughs> 10 years, right? Hmm. Because there's been this resurgence of the indigenous varieties, people wanting to preserve these old vineyards like you're talking about. Where where do we go from here? What's the next step? Is it is it a movement away from sparkling wine? I don't know what the split is right now. I think uh, today, I am not very good with the numbers, but Penedas is like, uh, like 80% sparkling and 20 still. Uh, as a wine region. Um, I think Penedes has the biggest challenge, as we discussed, to protect landscape and to put into value uh, territory uh, by, uh, by really um, paying well uh, the farmers, listening to the farmers, making the homework in the vineyard. Sadly, I will say we are very few winemakers that are doing the homework in the, in the vineyards today. But if we overcome, if we superate this, this challenge, Penedes has a huge opportunity because um, not only the climatological uh, conditions are fantastic. Um, see, this year taught us a lot of things. For example, how gifted we are to have 500 liters of rain on a on a yearly basis instead of 1,000. We can we can work the vineyards with minimal intervention and have beautiful, healthy, natural grapes. Plus at one of the lowest pH ever in, in Mediterranean latitudes. See, this is the miracle of Penedes. This is why in Penedes, uh, Cava was invented. Sparkling wine was invented by here in the vineyard I am talking to you today. It's, it was invented in 1870 because we realized that Charello, you harvest at perfect ripening at 12 Bome, but the pH is almost is, is, is like in Burgundy. So uh, this is a combination of the acids that give a very strong uh, acid potential into the grapes, and it's due to the geological conditions together with the climate in the indigenous grapes. No, so the 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 the, the future is here. We understood the the power of the indigenous grapes. We understood the power of nature, and we are moving away from big producers. Freshenet, Codorniu, even uh, Torres from the... So Freshenet and Codorniu would be like the worst for the sparkling wine and Torres would be not as bad, but a similar example for yeah. still wines. And this has been like a little bit of the, the past trend, the past inertia. And now this is moving more into uh, a, a small operations. Farmers that are starting to vinify in their homes, in their garage, in their in their masias. Masias is the name that a country house receives in, in, in mm -hmm. Catalonia, uh, una masia. And uh, so I, I, I foresee this, this, I sense this, this, this change of energy, this, this, this change of, of direction. No? But that's why I get a little mad. It's like, please, no enotourism, please, no method, please, no uh, marketing, uh, big ideas and, and, and office, you know, like really spend time. Yeah in the landscape, in the vineyards, uh, travel around the world that gives a lot of confidence to this way of working. You know, Believe it or not, El Jelipins, nobody knows in Barcelona. It's crazy. Really? When I travel to my friends in London or in New York, they, they, they love the wines from Gloria. No? Yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder about the difference between the way these wines are perceived internally, domestically, versus the way they're perceived internationally. And it's interesting to think about the way you kind of like craft that narrative. How do you get people to perceive your wines in the way that you want? You know, it it, 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 it is an organic thing, but it, you also need people out there, you know, 
promoting the wines and talking about the wines um, to, to some degree. I don't know. I agree. And this is one of the tolls that we winemakers need to pay. I mean, I would I wouldn't move from my farm and, you know, and, 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 and with, 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 um, with my plants yeah. and my, anima, my animals, well, nothing is mine, no, but with, with all the nature that surrounds us, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need to travel. We need to, 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 to tell our stories and to put our bottles into, into the glasses in front of the right people. It's, it, it, is, it, is, it is very true. One thing that is, gives me a lot of hope is that today with social media, with, uh, with, with minimal budgets, you really can arrive to the people that have love and sensitivity, sensitivity for wine. So, mm-hmm. so uh, this means that, you know, in the past with the wine business, you, there will be a lot of fake stories around there. And I think this, this distance between the facts and the words is, is, kind of, is kind of shortening a little bit. Yeah, there are fewer gatekeepers, I guess we'd say. Like in the past, if you, if you needed your wine to get exposure, there were only a few avenues. But now there's enough, you know, websites, bloggers, you know, Instagram people, you know, anyone can get out there and, you know, promote these wines and champion them. So there's a democratizing of that process. Exactly. And this is very good for the small producers. Well, exciting. Is there anything else you want to let listeners here in the States or any of the listeners that we have elsewhere know about what you're doing in Penedes? You know, I think uh, my last uh, message to share with everybody is that when you look at a vine, you know, from a, from a spiritual way, um, it's really, it really brings us to, to an olive tree, you know, to an almond tree. Um, a vine is, is, a, is a plant that likes uh, poor soils, limited rainfall, and, uh, and, and in this um, Mediterranean or similar to Mediterranean climate is where it, it really behaves in, 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 a, in a more, uh, in a more um, easy way. And uh, I think this would be the message is to encourage not only the listeners, but also Mediterranean producers to put into value this fact. Because uh, as farmers, our, bigger, our biggest uh, uh, pressure is humidity and that, 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 that creates mildew and oidew and, and botrytis. And uh, that's what we need to treat with copper and sulfur in order to harvest some of the grapes. So um, um, while we have to be very strict with uh, our planet and, and, and fight against climate change, I, I don't like when people buy this, this marketing idea that, you know, because there's climate change, we need to make our wines in the northern area and, and such. Uh, in the case of Penedes, this is wrong. And uh, 2020, difficult harvest due to uh, this huge rainfall has demonstrated as this. So we really need to gain confidence in what we have in our hands. And if people want to learn more about Reventos, um, where can people find you on social media or is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, yeah. You know, I am a disaster with many things plus with technology. So I don't have WhatsApp, not either Instagram in my phone. But my wife, Susana... That's good. You're way more productive. (laughs) I don't know where I am, but Susana does an amazing job. She created a beautiful website called raventos.com and uh, and, uh, Raventos y Blanc Instagram um, and Kansumo Instagram, where she really, she's an amazing photographer and, 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 and puts beautiful pictures and with, with nice messages of what we're doing. And so I encourage everybody to follow this. And, and also um, in this page, I think one very interesting message is the, the, this idea of biodiversity. Um, um, uh, we call uh, biosynergies a little bit the, fall, mm-hmm. the, the, the philosophy of the way we're making the wines is to take biodynamics to the next level. I've been mm-hmm. uh, uh, a bit uh, strong and, and, and sometimes too strong, but saying that biodynamics is overrated. Uh, we are 
organic certified and biodynamic certified by Demeter. But doing this, I realized that it's, there's a little bit of too much marketing interest here. Mm. Um, and this is not enough. It, you really need to sense the farm. So for us, the recuperation of the farm organism where animal, man, and plant live together in a closed system, working, uh, you know, like plowing with horses, like like having sheep and, and goat grazing in the winter time, like having the honeybees making the making the uh, the, the, the the honey, but also um, um, you know, um, pollinizing all the state, uh, little forests, uh, olive groves, cereal where we make a little bit of of uh, um, the, this hay for 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 the animals. But also those are uh, motors of diversity. We have a diverse, strong, diverse system that makes that our plants are more resistant, and we as humans have to treat less. It's like the idea of abandoning. The, the, the will of the perfect wine and really searching for the authenticity and, 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 and bringing to you the most possible, uh, authentic possible wine. So yeah. um, the, all this you can see in, in the Raventos, much better explained uh, than my, my terrible English. And, no, and no, 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 no. But I do, I do want to push you on that one thing is that you said that you feel like in some ways, is it that the certification itself is kind of overrated, that it doesn't fully encapsulate what's really going on? Like when you say that biodynamics- Exactly. Is that, exactly. Is that it? Yeah. Exactly. Like, like and, 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 and this is very simple to explain. Um, Rudolf Steiner, who is the, the father of, the, of bio, the, what's so-called biodynamics and that Nicolas Jolie put into, into, yeah. into the mouth of everybody because he's an amazing salesman, um, Rudolf Steiner didn't cultivate grapes and didn't drink wine at all. And then now it seems that because we follow the Demeter certification, we make better wines. That's, that, that's where, for me, the whole system uh, kind of makes a, a noise that I don't like. I think there are many beautiful things that you learn from biodynamics, like really creating your own compost, like doing your preparation, spending more time in the nature. But I think it's overrated to say because I do the preparations and most of people buy them, don't even make them themselves. Um, they don't really live in the farm. They live in the city, but they have a label that puts their certified by the matter and they sell the story of the wine is better because it's the matter. That's wrong. The matter has to be a small ingredient of the whole recipe. But the really sense is that you have to find your way to sense your, 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 your terroir, sense your farm, sense your vineyard, however you want, you want to call it. No? Heard. Well, Pepe, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I hope everything you're enjoying the snow where you are. Um, when do you when when do you plan to be back in the states? Uh, any plans in twenty twenty one? Once travel as, opens up, maybe in the fall. As soon as soon as travels open up, I cannot wait to come back to visit my friends here and 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 charge the batteries of positive energy that uh, in many places and many cities of your country I've been amazed. You know, I like to talk about New York, but what really gave me a, a great a great uh, growing experience is that I would take a flight from LaGuardia Airport land in, in cities that nobody had heard of or needed, they had never seen a Catalan winemaker and find mm. incredible wine bars and, and wine lists and people so passionate about uh, what we, we've been talking for the last hour. But please, and I ask you, uh, when, uh, when you have time, uh, take a flight uh, to Barcelona and uh, I'm going to be happy to pick you up at the airport and spend a good day together in Benedes because you have an awesome energy. I love it, man. Cool. Awesome. We'll talk soon. I'll see you around. Un abrazo. And that is our episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of By the Glass. You can stream every episode of By the Glass ever on Spotify, Apple, Google Play. All you got to do is smash that subscribe button and smack that five-star button while you're at it. Um, but thank you so much uh, for listening, and we will see you next week.